In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the biggest misconceptions in our Catholic faith, by Catholics and non-Catholics, is the idea that talking to Mary or talking to a saint is the same as worshiping them. Many of us don't quite understand that. Many Chaldeans today have left the Catholic Church because of misunderstandings and misconceptions such as this. Now, I personally believe that this is all a scam and a scheme from the devil himself because the devil hates Mary. And we'll get to how and where that is in Scripture in a second. And so what I believe the devil has done is he's planted these little seeds in, in Catholics' hearts so that we run away from Mary, so that we think that if we go to Mary, then we're worshiping her, so don't go to her at all. Because he knows, just like we saw in the gospel today, how powerful her intercession is. So my brothers and sisters, we need to understand why does the devil hate Mary? Today it shows in the gospel. Looking at the gospel today, we see that Jesus and Mary are at a wedding. Now, I believe Jesus probably got up and danced chiggah. That's just my personal interpretation. But anyway, they're, they're there. They're enjoying the wedding. They're, not the, they're just guests. Now, they go out of wine. No more wine. Who is the one that notices that there is no wine? Mary. Now, does that mean that Jesus didn't know that they were out of wine? Probably not. I'm sure he's God. I'm pretty sure he understands and he knows that they're out of wine. So why doesn't Jesus do something about it? Because Jesus is demonstrating for you and I how much he wants to use his mother, how much she has a particular role of interceding for us. So he allows Mary to be the one to notice the needs of her children, us, and to intercede, to intervene for us. And that's exactly what she does. And so this whole idea of intercession is simply what we do for one another, right? I mean, I ask people all the time, please pray for me. Don't we turn to one another and we ask each other, please pray for me. Now, does that mean that because I went to sister, I went to one of the sisters and I said, sister, pray for me. Does that mean that I'm taking away from God because I asked sister to pray for me? No. Does that mean that Jesus is now somehow, because Mary is the one that asked or Mary is the one that interceded, that somehow it takes away from Jesus and who he is? Absolutely not. And so just like how you and I can turn to one another and God can use us and our prayers for one another to help one another, it's the same exact thing with Mary and the saints. Just like we ask one another to pray for us, we ask Mary and the saints to pray for us. We know this. However, I want to go a little deeper. And I really pray that this homily gets to our brothers and sisters, our Chaldean brothers and sisters, who have literally rejected the Blessed Virgin Mary as their mother. They have renounced Mary as their mother. And I speak this with pure love to my brothers and sisters, and I hope this gets to you. I speak with love. Listen. 
Listen and open your heart. I'm going to use scripture. Even though, my brothers and sisters, before we even had the Bible put together in the form that we had it today, it took 350 years, 350 years to put the Bible together as we have it today. What do you think the church was doing for 350 years? How did they know what to believe? Well, guess what? For 350 years and all the way until today, the church has always turned to Mary for intercession. The church has always turned to the saints to pray for us. Why? Well, maybe some of you might be saying, or maybe of our Protestant brothers and sisters might be saying, well, the saints are dead. They can't hear our prayers. Only God, God is the one mediator between man and God, or only Jesus is. That's true. But if that's true, then why can we right now pray for one another? Why don't I just go straight to Jesus? Don't ask anybody to pray for you. Don't go to your pastor and don't go to your priest and don't go to your friends. Just ask Jesus. That's it. No. So if we go to the scripture itself, we see that the saints are alive and they are aware of what's going on in, on earth. If you look at Revelation 6, now Revelation is a book that John the, the apostle wrote and he had visions of heaven. He got to see what was going on in heaven. What does he see in heaven? He sees a group of martyrs in Revelation 6. He sees a group of martyrs who are turning to God and saying to God, God, when are you going to avenge our blood against the unjust? When are you going to defend those who are being persecuted? Right there, you're seeing people who are in heaven, humans that were martyred in heaven, talking to God on behalf of the people on earth. So they're aware of what's going on on earth. They're not dead. They're alive. They're aware of it. And they're talking to God. They're interceding. This is clear in Scripture. It actually shows this in Revelations from 5 to 8. You see this idea of different groups, confessors and martyrs, turning to God in prayer in heaven. And actually what's beautiful is that the angels come. They take the prayers of those in heaven and they mix them with the prayers of those coming from earth, and then they take those prayers and it rises like incense to God's throne. And then they take the, the bakhur, the, the, the thurible, and they throw it on the earth. And then on the earth, there's lightnings, which shows that these prayers of the saints in heaven rising before God have an effect on earth. That their intercession has an effect, has power, has efficacy on earth. Revelations 5 through 8. Again, scripture. And so if right here we see that the saints in heaven are alive and they are aware of what's going on on earth and they can intercede even in heaven, then how could we not turn to the mother of God? who Jesus himself does his first miracle at her intercession. Who are we and how could we reject our mother? Right? Now, Jesus says in the gospel today, and actually Protestants today will say, they'll use this scripture, today's scripture, to say this is Jesus 
minimalizing and minimizing his mother's role because he says to her, woman. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I would have ever turned to my mom and said, hey, woman, I would have got a na'alta thrown at me, right? No one would ever turn to their mother and say, hey, woman. Now, of course, this is not what Jesus is saying. Do you really think, how could we really think that Jesus would disrespect his own mother in order for us to not give her any attention? Like, listen to that logic right there. Listen to that logic. Like, yeah, Jesus literally disrespects his mother by not even calling her mother, by calling her woman, so that we don't ever give her any attention. Wow. God is going to disrespect his mother. God is going to minimalize his mother. Makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. So what Jesus is saying here when he says woman, he is actually talking about the woman. Let's go back to Genesis 3.15. Right after Adam and Eve had sinned, God right away turns to the devil and he says, I will put you at war with the woman and her offspring and yours. And they will crush your head and he will stomp with his foot on your head. Now, right there, God is telling the devil, the woman and her son will step on your head. It's not just the son. Notice, it's not just Jesus the Savior, who is going to crush the head of the serpent, it's the mother and the son. Which shows that Mary has enmity with the devil, which means that she is opposite. She has no sin. Mary has no sin. And Mary has power over Satan through her obedience to God because nobody, nobody ever in history can ever have obedience to God like Mary ever did. Nobody. Besides Christ himself. And so Mary, through her obedience, what did she do? She is the woman who undid what Eve did. One of the church fathers, I love this quote, it says that through Eve's disobedience, Eve's disobedience caused a knot. We became a knot, like a big fat knot, and we were tied to the devil. Through Mary's obedience, Mary's obedience undid the knot of sin and death. And so my brothers and sisters, today, Mary shows us she is the woman who intervenes and intercedes. And when any time we have a knot in our life, that's why we have that beautiful image. How many of you guys have seen that image of Mary, undoer of knots? It's like Mary standing in heaven and she's undoing knots. Such a beautiful image. Why? Because Mary, through her intercession, through her stepping on the devil, she has this great efficacy in her prayer. Scripture also says that the prayer of a just person is much more powerful. A righteous person. Who's more righteous than Mary? After Jesus. And so Mary, when she prays for us, her prayer has efficacy. She steps on the devil and she unties the knots in our lives just like she did for that couple. That couple would have been completely embarrassed if they went out of wine. They would have been ashamed. They would have been, for the rest of their lives, 
they would have went down in history in the eyes of the whole community as being embarrassed and rizla because they went out of wine. And Mary, what does she do? She comes in and she intervenes for her children like a good mom. She comes in. She unties the knot. She prays to her son. She has confidence in her son that her son knows the needs and he will come to the needs of, of his children. That, my brothers and sisters, is exactly what Mary and the saints are doing for us today. That's what Mary wants to do for us today. So how can we, how can we reject Mary as our mother? How could we turn away from her? How could we renounce Mary as our mother? Jesus is our bridegroom. How could we turn away from his mother? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go when you stand before God one day and you say, Lord, I love you, but I don't love your mom. I don't want to have anything to do with your mom. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to see her. I don't want to have nothing to do with her because if I talk to her, then I'm worshiping her. No. We're not worshiping. We're turning to her to ask her to pray for us, to intervene for us, and to intercede. So my brothers and sisters, don't be afraid. Just because you turn to Mary, just because you talk to Mary, you are not worshiping her. You're loving her. You're receiving her into your heart. Just like we do. Don't we turn to the, our, the people that we love, your grandparents? Don't you think that your grandparents might be in heaven? Don't you talk to them? The people that have gone before us, don't you talk to them? Don't you miss them? Does that mean that you're worshiping them? No. And so today, we don't worship Mary, but we honor her. We receive her as our mother. We trust that she is our mother, that she is praying for us, and that she wants to undo the knots in our lives. So don't be afraid. Let us turn to Mary. Let's beg Mary to bring her lost children, her lost Chaldean children who have abandoned her, who have turned away from her, that she would enter their lives, that she would touch their hearts, and that they would experience God in a powerful way through her intercession, that she would undo the knots in their lives. I pray that for you, my brothers and sisters, my Protestant brothers and sisters, I hope you're hearing this, I hope it gets to you, that Mary will touch your life, and that you will know God in a way that you have never known Him before because and through Mary's intercession. Because Mary is the woman and she will undo all of the knots in our lives. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All times and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Please be seated. So I'd, I'd like to add to my homily, you know, today we're doing a homily part two, okay? Um, you guys will miss this, I promise you, one day, okay? So I want to make another kind of shout out and announcement to hopefully you guys can get this off YouTube and you can send this to who you know might be struggling with this, but this message is for our Chaldean Protestant brothers and sisters. And my message is very simple. Is it possible, speaking to you, is it possible that you might be wrong about Mary? And don't you think that you have a lot at stake if you are wrong about Mary? What I mean by that is if you are wrong about Mary, 
and we're right, then you are rejecting the mother of God. It's a pretty big deal. Now, if we're wrong, we got a lot at stake. However, we're not wrong. And the reason why we're not wrong is because in the very first 200 years of Christianity, like I said before the Bible, the church has always, the very people who were with the apostles themselves, like uh, different uh, church fathers, like Justin Martyr and Polycarp, and these guys who were the very first Christians, the very first priests of the church, if they themselves, who were apostles of the apostles, walked with Jesus' apostles, if they themselves gave honor and prayer to Mary, I'm pretty sure that they're probably not wrong and you're right. I'm pretty sure that they're probably right and you're wrong, right? Because we, are, we cannot make up our own interpretation of Scripture. We need to look at how is Scripture always interpreted from the very beginning. So if in the very beginning this is how the church has always interpreted and has always done this, then we can't come today 2,000 years later and make up our own beliefs. It's not up for us. Scripture actually says, Scripture is not up for personal interpretation. So I just, I beg you to sit down with me, call me, text me. I don't care. Give it a chance. You know, before you come and you attack us as Catholics and you try to throw all these Scripture verses down our throat, be open. Ask yourself. Soften your heart and ask yourself, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. It can't hurt. It, you can only gain something. And in the end, you still disagree with me? Fine. You disagreed, and we had a nice conversation. You can go on your merry way. But majority of Catholics today who leave the Catholic Church, actually all of them, leave the church because they don't actually know what they believe. That's why they leave. And they've been told something wrong, and they leave the church based off of wrong, wrong teaching, misconception. And so you owe it to God himself, to his Catholic Church for 2,000 years to go and do your proper research. And I'm here ready. I'm here ready to talk with you. I'm here ready to pray with you. But give us a chance. Don't attack, right? But give us a chance, and I'd be happy to talk with you. Hopefully that gets around.